Hey everyone, I'm John Steele, and this is After Four, a podcast for InterVarsity alumni. Life after college is hard, and even a great experience with your InterVarsity chapter doesn't shield you from the challenges of transition. As we hear stories from real alumni learning how to make it in their post-InterVarsity reality, my hope is that this podcast will offer some encouragement, a few laughs, and even some hope for the future. This is After Four, and these are your stories. Hello, everyone, and greetings from Mankato. This is John Steele and After Four, a podcast for InterVarsity alumni. It's a pretty brown day here in our part of the world, not quite the winter wonderland you'd expect for late December in Minnesota, but I guess that's a topic for a different podcast. Hey, if this is your first time listening to the podcast, welcome. I'm really excited to have you here. And if you're returning after listening to another episode, God bless you. I'm excited for you to meet our guest for this episode, Kyung. Let me tell you, it was really enjoyable to talk to someone who shared my affinity for late-night Taco Bell runs during college. I think Kyung also has some really great insight on what it takes to get plugged into a new community and a new friend group after college. Check out our conversation. I really think you'll connect with a lot of what he's experienced. Enjoy the episode. Hey, Kyung. Thanks a lot for being on the podcast today. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to hear some of your story. You and I have met before playing some music together. Do you still play music? Yeah, here and there, mostly just with my wife. Okay. Not really for church anymore. Sure. Does your wife play or does she sing? She plays piano and she sings. She's actually an elementary oh. school music teacher. Nice. Yeah, she's, she's got a great voice. Love playing with her. A great part of our marriage. That's awesome. It's really amazing when you can find those kind of things that you have in common. Music would be a really fun one to get to do. So, Kiang, I want to hear more about your normal everyday life. I want to hear what it's been like to be post-college, post-intervarsity. But before we do that, I really like to hear some origin story kind of things. So, where did you go to school and mm -hmm. when did you graduate? Those will be our first things. Yeah, I went to Milwaukee School of Engineering and graduated from there in 2013. So okay. I studied biomedical engineering for my undergrad and then environmental engineering for my master's. Okay. And where did you do your master's degree? MSOE as well. It's kind of a five-year combined type of thing. Nice. And so are you working in the field that you studied in today? Yeah. Yeah. So I, uh, I work for a 3M company just down the street okay. from where I am right now. And I'm doing environmental engineering for them. Have been for about seven years or so, seven and a okay. half years. Wow. Yeah. That's fantastic. Do you enjoy that work? I do. Yeah. It's been strange with COVID, obviously. Yeah. I haven't seen my office since March. So uh, <laughs> yeah. it's just Hopefully been a while. Well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I drive by the parking lot. 3M, the headquarters is right off of 94 here. So I drive by it pretty frequently going back and forth between the city. And it's just strange to see it completely empty. It's like a ghost town over there. When usually yeah. there's so much parking that we have an advanced system of shuttles to get people <laughs> from place to place because it's hard to get parking anywhere. So just wild time. That's crazy. It's like working at Urbana every day. Right. Yeah, that's <laughs> right, man. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So then a student at MSOE, I'm always interested to know, how did things start with InterVarsity for you? My sister went to University of Illinois in Urbana. Okay. And she joined InterVarsity there. She's three years older than I am. So when I was going into college, she was telling me, hey, you got to get involved in this campus ministry called InterVarsity. Nice. And it's interesting. I probably would consider myself 
an atheist at the time. Oh, okay. I'd grown up in the church, done all that, but really had fallen away from any kind of faith that I yeah. had in my high school years. I was walking around in the event where all the different organizations have the fair and oh, yeah, at yes. a table. <laughs> and I remember seeing the university one and I was like, oh yeah, my sister said I should look at that. So I put my name in. I really didn't think much of it, you know, <laughs> yeah. a year goes by and it's like one of the most critical parts of my life. So wow. it was pretty crazy. That's amazing. You went into your university experience as somebody that grew up in the church, but identifies mm -hmm. as an atheist. So then what happened during your time with university that was transformational? You know, I think a big part of it was just being in that community. Even when I first started being in there, it was just great to have a lot of the seniors that invested in us freshmen coming in that just spent time with us, hung out mm. with us. And I remember some of them I just go grab a cigar with on the street and, nice. and hang out. And it was just through that community that really brought me back to, oh yeah, I've, I've really missed this in my life. Mm. And then not only missing the community aspect of it, but now going deeper and saying, you know, well, actually I've been missing a lot more than this. I've been missing the relationship with God in my life. Yeah. And so I think it really was through that community that reabsorbed me and kind of nudged me back into God's presence. Wow, that's amazing. It's so easy to separate Christian community and pursuing Jesus. And it's just so easy to forget those two things are necessarily tied together. Our relationship with Jesus is definitely personal and it's intimate, but it is also necessarily communal. There is mm. such an important component that involves other people of drawing us closer together with Jesus. Yeah, that's a good point, especially growing up in the Korean church mm. uh, in America. So I grew up in Chicago area, but went to to a first-generation Korean church growing up, so okay. all Korean-speaking, right? Yeah. And every first-generation Korean church that I've ever been to, part of the service is to have a full meal together. Okay. And so I grew up in that context where, like, that's how important the community was, was that you really spend all Sunday with them. Hmm. Church services starts at 11, there's two services, and then everyone hmm. hangs out afterwards. Nice. And so university really reminded me of that, especially in that college environment where you're spending a lot of time with those people, eating with those people. Were you with university the whole time that you were a student? Yeah, so I went to school for five years. My last year, I wasn't in leadership, but I was still okay. kind of in the background and still attended all the events. So I was there all five years sure. that I was in school. Are there any particular stories that stand out to you as like, man, this was a really fun memory or this was something that was particularly impactful during my time? I have really close friends to this day that I met through InterVarsity. It was just the times that we spent hanging out. We would get some takeout food, some pizza, mm -hmm. nothing that's good for our bodies, right? It was no. like late night Chinese food or pizza. <laughs> and then we would hang out in one of our rooms and either just talk about life and talk about ministry and Jesus and the future and relationships, mm -hmm. or we'd play Halo. Uh, oh, yeah. We'd play Halo for each to like two or three in the morning. And it's those kind of moments that I think really stuck with me because it it was a different aspect of friendship that I hadn't experienced up to that point where we were all living in the dorms together and we were just able to live life together in this really intimate way. And it's something that I know that I'll never probably experience again in my life, yeah. but I cherish those moments where I could just walk down two flights of stairs and one of my closest friends in my whole life you know, was right there and I would talk to him at 11 o'clock at night about yes. just whatever. I think those are the kinds of experiences that really just stick with me. Yes, I love those days. My roommate and I had our recliners set up right next to each other in the townhouse that we were in. We'd be doing homework late into the night and then one of us would inevitably just sort of look up, look over to the other person, say, T-bell run? 
<laughs> yes. Yes. Love it. Oh, man. Oh, gosh. Yes. I owe so much to my roommate, Will, for introducing me to parts of the Taco Bell menu that I didn't know about before. Oh, man. You're speaking my love language. Yeah. Nice. I remember late night Taco Bell runs. Yes. So many fantastic memories of community and those intimate relationships that you get to have. Those are fantastic things to get to carry with you forever. So as you have spent all this time in school with these people that you really grew to love and to cherish these moments with, then it's time to graduate. Tell me, as you were preparing to graduate, were there particular expectations that you had for your life moving forward? Yeah, I think when I was in my last few months of college, after I'd finished my thesis and things were kind of slowing down mm -hmm. a little bit and I could kind of focus on what the rest of my life looked like, I had this job lined up at 3M, so I was going to move from Milwaukee to Minneapolis when I first came here seven and a half years ago. Mm. And I had done my internship at the same place, so I was, I was somewhat familiar with the area. And they had said there's this cool program that they were going to put me into at the company. It's going to be this two-year type of program, this accelerated leadership type of thing. And I was really excited about that. Nice. So I had a lot of those kinds of you know, thinking that it's going to be more like college where I have more time, I'm not doing homework, get to hang out, get to choose these communities and get to do some fun things. So I definitely had some high expectations leaving college. And how did those things end up working out once you stepped into, shall we say, the real world? Gosh, I had such a wild experience. 3M, when you accept a job at a different location, they do this whole thing where they move your stuff for you. And I was living at the dorm, so they brought this like semi-trailer I think the stuff in my dorm filled about <laughs> yeah. five feet in That's depth hilarious. worth of this trailer. And it was the, the night before I left to move to Minneapolis. I was hanging out in Milwaukee. We were just getting a bite to eat and hanging out outside in the city and walking around. And so it was like this moment of being with these close friends that, that I had lived life with for the last uh, three to five years. And mm -hmm. then the very next day, I left to go to Minneapolis into this completely different place and yes. different environment. And it was a really jolting experience. So now I'm, uh, I get to the apartment, the movers show up, they bring all my stuff in all the boxes. And then I just kind of sit there and I have no idea what to do. <laughs> Yeah. So even that jolting experience, I feel like it's more or less how the next two years of my life went, <laughs> where I tell people there is this rite of passage that you go through of soul crushing loneliness mm -hmm. that like you have never experienced in your oh, life man. and you just have to get through it. Right. You can yes. do it better than I did. And I hope you do, <laughs> but there's just this period of time where you have to go through this crazy transition. It's like really the first time in your life. It's crazy to think about where well, your life is not scheduled for yes. you, right? Oh, man. And there's this absence of structure suddenly in your life. Like yeah. you've left your closest friends yep. and everyone's in a different stage in life and you're not in an environment anymore that's specifically tailored to you. Yeah. So I think that's one of the hardest things, especially in terms of your church community. When you think about inner varsity as a Christian community, it's made for college students. It's like that's yes. their target demographic. Exactly. And you are in that exact demographic with uh -huh. everybody else, right? Very concentrated ministry. And then you go to a church and you're just another person in this <laughs> field of people. Yes. And probably the most important thing that churches do is the Sunday service and childcare mm -hmm. in terms of what they do for their membership. And so it's like you're not really even the center focus. Church is not made specifically for you. 
and even friendships. I mean, you think about college, it's like, yeah, let's go on a late night Taco Bell run. Right. Like that doesn't happen anymore, right? <laughs> no. Here are people that you can meet with that may or may not ghost you, right? Right. May or may not ever get back <laughs> to you. And if you do find some friends, you schedule a game night three weeks in advance, yes. and then it gets canceled last minute anyway. So it's like, <laughs> right. that's the kind of interactions now that you're having oh. with people. And there's a, such a stiffness and an awkwardness, especially in the beginning of a lot of those relationships. And yes. a lot of times, if you get through those, it's really great on the other side. But that takes on the order of years, not weeks or months, to get to those comfortable places again, yes. where, where you're hanging out with people. Mm. And it's a lot of facing disappointments. Work isn't as great as you think it's going to be. You know, right. I think especially because a lot of times our expectations are so high, we want to get a sense of fulfillment out of work that it just can't provide for us. Right. And a lot of the things that we want to do that are really cool, like become these leaders in these organizations, they happen after you've been in them for years, not, mm -hmm. not for months or weeks. And so it's like, you know, this impatience, this wanting to, to get to somewhere of importance, but you're just kind of like the lowest person in the organization. Yeah. And so it's a lot of these mixes of disillusionment, of change, of loneliness, and just mourning the loss mm. of community that you had. Gosh, there's so many things you said that sent these sparks off in my brain of just sensory memories. You talked about soul-crushing loneliness. <laughs> it's uh, such a great way to describe it. I graduated from a bachelor's degree in Indiana and then moved to Minnesota to pursue a master's degree. And I didn't know anybody in town where I moved. Day in and day out, I'm by myself in this brand new place. And I remember in my little studio apartment, I remember just curling up in a ball in my bathroom this one time and just weeping, saying, I want my mom. Okay. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm, you know, a 22, 23 year old man crying on my bathroom floor because, yeah, I've left everything that I knew behind and have entered into just completely starting over and having no clue where the future was even going to lead. And yeah. oh my gosh, those are such defining moments, really hard moments, but also really important moments, I think, because mm -hmm. it was after that that I had this moment of like, okay, nobody that I know is here. The only constant that I have right now is the Lord. He's mm -hmm. the only one that came with me on this trip. Right. And so what does it look like for me to sort of double down on that relationship and pursue the only thing that feels comfortable? But sure. oh, man, yes, soul crushing loneliness. I can identify <laughs> with that for sure. Oh, man. Yeah, there are days that you go from work. And then you just know that you're going to go back to an empty apartment. Yes. Right? I remember there was a stretch of months where I hadn't really had any physical contact with anybody, like mm. a hug, right? Yeah. Especially like with guys, a lot of times, you know, guys don't hug. Right. And I've shaken hands, but I couldn't remember the last time I had hugged someone. Yeah. Like, and I was just thinking about <laughs> like, oh my gosh, it's so weird to think about. Yeah. And I'm not a touchy feely person. Me either. Like I got to the point where I was like, oh my gosh, that is completely missing in my life. It's yeah. just a weird realization. Okay. So you said the first two years or so, you remember that just being sort of this slog through these kinds of 
experiences. After those two years, did you start to sense that you were figuring out how to develop meaningful relationships again, how to find the appropriate level of fulfillment in your work and in these other experiences? I think a lot of it was actually just a change in the new reality that I lived in. Mm. My expectations were way too high at a work, right? Okay. My expectations were too high for church and what community should look like. My expectations were too high for relationships. And I don't want to sound like I was settling because what I think had happened is I had kind of created this false idea of what these things should look like yeah. and how much they should fulfill my life. Hmm. And really chasing after things to fulfill my life, kind of like that God-sized hole type of thing. Yeah. So in loneliness, being able to wrestle with having no one else to go to but God, I think changes your outlook about life and changes your outlook on what community looks like as well. You don't want to put yourself in a place where the only place where I can get this is through this community or through mm. work or through whatever. The only place I can fulfill my sense of identity in is in these things. And I think if you do that, you kind of set yourself up for disaster in a lot of ways and a lot of disillusionment in your expectations. I think it takes two years to be in a place to really start to make it feel like home in a lot yeah. of ways. Oh, I can drive wherever in the city without using a GPS, yes. right? Yes, like to totally. Get to that point I actually really know the important. names of the roads. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And then to get to a point where people realize, you know, you're not just moving from place to place and there's this mutual investment in community. And when you're meeting small group every week, but you only see everybody every other week, realistically, yeah. it takes just on the order of months and years to build those relationships. Right. And they do build and it does happen. And things come out of it and then you make closer friends, but it, those things just take a lot more time yes. than you'd want them to. And so I think it was just a combination of a lot of different things where I'd finally found my church community and that sub community within the church where I found a lot of close friends in yeah. that I, I could finally have that network in. And then with work, just finally getting to a place where I wasn't putting work on this pedestal mm. of things that it should give me in my life, like my sense of belongingness and value that it really isn't designed to give me. I'm like, okay, this is a job. I want to glorify God through it and I want to do mm. my best in it, but it's not something that defines my value as a person. Yeah. And yeah. once you let that go, work can be work and it can be enjoyable again. Right. It doesn't have to be this thing that needs to give you exactly what you're looking for. It really develops like relational grit and just mm -hmm. emotional grit of like, okay, I just have to keep going. It's not that people hate me. It's not that I'm an mm -hmm. unlikable person. It's just, it takes time time to build relationships. It takes time to find a groove at work and I will get there eventually, but it's going to take some time. That's a really good point. It's almost like you haven't been flexing any of these muscles and now yeah, you've got exactly. you to do it for the first time. Yes. And it takes, it takes time to build those muscles up. I feel like a lot of times you ask someone out to, not in a dating sense, right? Just to hang out. And yeah. it feels like a date, right? right. Like it feels like a first date. And a yes. lot of times you don't get a call back or yeah. for you know, some reason, right? It's not like every time you hang out together with a brand new person that it goes 100% great. Right. You have to be able to get to the point where it doesn't crush you every time someone <laughs> yeah. doesn't return your text within yeah. like a day or two. I think that one of the worst inventions ever was when Facebook made it so that you could see that someone had read your message. And then right. <laughs> <laughs> two or three days go by and you're like, okay, I guess we're not talking anymore. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they don't know that my weirdness is cute and endearing. Oh, yeah. So, yeah that'll, that'll crush you if you're not ready yeah. for it. Oh, totally. <laughs> totally. So, Kyung, if you could go back and talk to about to graduate Kyung 
or if there was a senior that's listening to this right now who's preparing to graduate, is there anything that you would say to them if you had the chance? Yeah, and I think that's a great question. I think one of the big transitions that happens from college to the rest of your adulthood is that it goes from this environment that we've been talking about that's catered for you, and then it goes into this environment where you're just another person in, in this vast sea of things that are happening. Yeah, And I think a lot of times what happens is you can get stuck in this mindset that when you graduate, it's going to be more of people catering to you and giving you the things that you want mm. and rolling down the red carpet and saying, hey, this is your fare for life. And here are all these things that you can join and be a part of. Right. And I think a lot of times what happens after college, especially, is it depends on what you do. You have to take the initiative to make friendships. It's not going to happen as organically. And sometimes it does, and it's great, but a lot of times it, it doesn't happen organically. Mm. Your friendships now is the work that you put into it and the yes. investment that you put into it. Your church community now, it looks like how much you invest into it as well. Mm. And it's not just going to be this place that's naturally for you and surrounded by people that are in the exact same stage of life as you. And so I think with the loss of structure that school brings, there is this need for you as a person to start taking the initiative. Mm. People aren't going to check in on you to ask you, if you've been reading your Bible like they do in college, right? right? Like People don't have spontaneous prayer meetings and things like that anymore. But mm. it is a time of transition where you have to start taking responsibility in more things in life. And I think that a lot of things in this world today is centered around a consumeristic attitude towards a lot of things. Yeah. It's how can I get what I'm looking for at the lowest possible cost? And it's mm. not just about you know, your iPhone or your computer, it certainly extends into our relationships with people. And a lot of times I get this sense that people are looking for this kind of friend after college, right? They're looking for this type of friend or this type of group of people that'll give them exactly what they're looking for. That'll mm -hmm. invite them out and make them feel like they're a part of something. But they're not willing to be those types of people that they're oh, looking for. Man. They want a certain type of community, but they're not willing to put in the work to be that community that they're looking for. And so a lot of friends that I see graduating college end up just church shopping for like years and never clicking to one place. And even, I mean, the language of church shopping is reminiscent of, of consumerism. Yes. A lot of times people just jump from community to community, from job to job even, because it's not giving them exactly what they're looking for. And it's the sense of like, this place needs to give me what I want or I'm going to leave. Hmm. And they need to have the right type of coffee, the right type of charismatic pastor, the right type of welcoming enough people, but not creepy people to come and talk to me yeah. after service. They want all these things, but they don't ever want to be the people that do those things. Right. And I think that in there is this lie that when people give you the things that you want, when you're in this consumption mentality, that that's where you find sense of community and happiness mm. and things like that. But I really think that the best things that I've experienced are happening when you're able to mutually invest, be able to build up and co-create with, with other people. And I know that it's really hard when you're experiencing loneliness to kind of break those cycles yeah. and to say, I want to be the person that to others that I'm looking for. Yes. Um, but I think it's a place that you have to actually strive towards and want to get to. Otherwise, I think what you're expecting in life is more of this college atmosphere. And that's really just not how adult life operates. 
I think that's a fantastic word. Be the friend that you're looking for. Model the community that you're looking for to other people. My wife and I, when we joined a church, one of the things that I think was most helpful for us was we were asked like week two of being there if we would consider being greeters. And mm. at first I sort of like recoiled. I was like, are you kidding me? We just got here. Like, <laughs> I, I, wanna, I wanna be the freshman again that's sort yeah. of catered to. But it was so helpful being somebody that was standing there holding the door and saying good morning. And even though they're really brief conversations, you're still getting FaceTime with new people as a new person. And it just sets that precedent early for, I know that this requires work on my part. And so I'm going to do it. Yeah. I even think about in terms of workplace and it's a advice I give to people that as they come into a new work mm. environment, I say, don't wait for someone to like come and mentor you, right? Yeah. Go and ask people for that. Go and ask people mm. for advice. I think that's really great. That proactive mindset. Kyung, thank you so much for giving us some of your time. I really appreciate getting to chat with you today. Thank you for having me on. This is great. I really enjoyed talking. Well, there you have it, friends. So much of what's needed to find community is putting ourselves out there and modeling the kind of friendship we're looking for. I think Kyung's advice takes some courage and a lot of persistence, which is rarely easy. But I think it's a risk that will pay great dividends for anyone still struggling to find friends and community after college. Hey, I'll tell you what kind of friends I'm looking for. Ones that want more podcast content. If that's you, then guess what? You're in luck. First, because we can be friends. That seems paramount, uh, but also because there are more episodes ready for you to listen to right now. Just jump on over to the next one and listen to my conversation with Rachel, teacher, worship leader extraordinaire, and all-around fun person to know. I look forward to seeing you there, alumni. Alumni.